Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. Are we still at Metatopia? Oh, yeah, we totally are. So you know what that means. Ah, grab bag episode. Mm-hmm. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. So for tonight's topic, this episode is going to drop while we are still in New Jersey, having just finished Metatopia. As you know, we love you all too much to skip episodes because we're crazy. So we are back with a grab bag episode to plop in here as filler and make sure that your Monday morning commute is not boring. So what topics do we have for tonight, Phil? Well, uh, we have some Ditch Lily trivia. Uh-huh. But first, to start us off, tell us what our first question is. Question number one. Convention organizer, member of Phil's gaming group, and frequent topic contributor Jerry asked us, so how do you politely let a GM know that the NPC they have forced upon you is not fun to interact with? Say, for instance, a halfling rogue with all the bad traits of Jar Jar and Tasselhoff on speed. I mean, firstly, I think Tasselhoff is great, so whatevs. (laughs) But Tasselhoff on speed would be bad. I mean, it would be difficult to control in a game. Yes. It would require some serious levels of negotiation, and mixed with Jar Jar is just... Bad. This is bad. (sighs) Anyway, uh, yeah. Well, Phil, have you ever had this happen? I can remember one time where we were playing fourth ed D and D and we were playing, we were playing a published module and I forget which one it was. It was one of the Watsy ones. And we were in this dungeon and we encountered this talking skull. And it was it like, it wasn't this- the head of Orson Scott card, was it? No, but I think it's the inspiration <laughs> for that. It, it was my inspiration for that um, character. It was, um, it was this talking. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a skull and not a head. I could. I, it doesn't matter. I hated it. We all hated it. And and the problem was, however, the adventure was written. Like you had to take this thing with you, encounter Ooh, to encounter. Oh gosh, yeah. And like all along the way, we're like, I don't know. Why don't we just throw it in a pit? Like yeah. I don't know. Why don't we just put it in the bag of holding so we don't have to hear it like complaining the whole time? And yep. uh, it was just, oh, it was awful. Like when the adventure ended and we could finally punt that skull, like it was <laughs> like it went like it went super quick. Like, you know, we just quickly grabbed it, chucked it. And like we were all very thrilled with ourselves. So, yeah, it's it is a problem. And it's it's a problem like it's a problem if, you, if you're in a one shot. Right. This problem is somewhat limited right because you just have to like survive the one shot right right like oh god this gm's uh, like npc is awful yeah like but but it's two hours in and maybe we got an hour and a half of of material left i'll just you know i'm gonna just make snarky comments and we'll make it but in a campaign like (laughs) campaign it's not temporary (laughs) no it could be sessions (laughs) it could Um, be months of your life (laughs) Right. So so there you have to you probably in a in a one shot and not that we give this advice very often but in a one shot you may just try to ride it out. Right. Um as long as and when we say um 
not fun to interact with. Let's assume that it's not um, breaking safety or anything like that. Like, yes. Right. Like it's not like rapey vampire dude or misogynist, you know, misogynist henchman sidekick. Like, like so put those, take those away. Take, right. Like it's yeah, not those. If, if it's a safety issue, you right. do what you need to do to be safe and you walk away from that game. That's right. fine. Safe, safety is safety. Um, Right, you're absolutely right. So when when what we're talking about is that this character is safe, it's just that the GM's portrayal of this character is obnoxious. Yep. Right, like it's got some crazy stupid voice. Like and when I say stupid voice, I mean like it's some crazy voice that like every time the GM uses it, like everybody's like grinding their teeth, right? Right, or, it's the fingers on the chalkboard, fingers yeah. on the chalkboard voice. Or it's when we talk about like Jar Jar and Tasselhoff on speed, right? So it's like that kind of NPC, I'm, I'm assuming, is just creating like chaos left and right, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, oh, what does this thing do? Boing, like sets off a trap. Like, oh, what does this thing do? And like, call, like makes the guards come running, that kind of like, you know what I mean? Like it's just creating trouble at every turn. Yes. The thing that I was going to say is um, I've written an article for players about playing that kind of character so that you can pull that off with that sort of sense um, without actually doing that. And the thing is, this applies to GMs, too. Uh Like, that same information. So, like, don't be a dick. (laughs) Right. And and, Um, and by that, don't make your don't make your NPCs dicks in that kind of way. Like, yeah, w- w- don't take the GM out, the GM version out of, well, that's what the character would do. I don't care. You're being a make dick. Make better characters. Yeah. Right? Like, You're okay. in control of this world. You're in control of this whole character and how they interact with everything and the world around them. They do not have to be a dick. Let's right. just be I'm, clear. I'm going to talk a little bit about that from a GM perspective in a right. second. But Sorry. from the player, from the, no, it's okay. <laughs> from the player perspective, what do you do? Like, what, like, like, what do you do as a player when, like, the GMs made this NPC that clearly they're having fun playing, but, like, everybody loathes this character? Yeah. So, it's tricky, right? Because this is one of those times, if you're in a campaign, this is one of those times when you have to communicate, which is a lot of the advice that we give, because when it comes right down to it, Gaming groups are all about relationships, and relationships are all about communication. So, you know, communicate. Sometimes we just have to adult up about this kind of stuff. But you have to acknowledge that there's something that this PC is fulfilling for that GM. There's something that's making them fun to play. I think it's fair to go to a GM and be like, hey, can we talk about this character? Like, is there a way that we can rain some of the things that are driving everybody crazy. Don't say it like that, maybe. Is there a way that we can rein in these things that are making the game less fun for us as players and still make sure that the game is fun for you to run as a GM, right? So it's kind of about negotiating how to make the game be fun for everyone again and be nice about it, right? Because if you just walk up to the GM and say, your NPC is shit, and I'm not having any fun playing this game because your NPC is obnoxious. That's not going to go very well because they will get defensive. And then exactly. it's just going to be a fight and then it will not work out well. So you have to be able to approach them in a way that says like, hey, like this is a cool adventure. 
We love everything that's happening. We're having a lot of trouble dealing with this NPC because it feels like, you know, maybe with that the kind of NPC that Jerry is describing, it feels like this NPC is taking away some of our agency to control how we approach these situations. Mm-hmm. Like, can we do this a little bit differently, right? Yeah, I think those are really good. I think those are really good points, right? Like, there's no easy way to do this. And no. <laughs> there is no magical way to do it, right? It is straight up communication. I think that part of what you said is the idea of being able to say it candidly, but not pointedly. Yeah. So you can, so you can say like, you can say, Hey, send a, your Kender NPC. It's, it's kind of disrupting the flow of the game. Like when you, when you play, like when you're playing it, it's, and so you got to like add something to it, right? You can't just make the statement. You've got to like back this up, right? So like that voice you make when you're doing it is like really, it's hard for me to stay in character. Like it, it, it's it's really pushing me out of character when you do it. Like overall, like I, I think, I think that, I think the character, I think the character is actually pretty interesting and fun and I, I like it, but it, it's the voice. Like I, I, and I know, like, I think you like doing it because you look like you're having fun doing it, but like the voice is really kind of jarring and it's kind of throwing me off and it's throwing Chris off as well. Is there like, do you mind like not, maybe doing the voice quite as much or quite as hard. Right. Like it has, like this has a couple pieces, right? So it acknowledges that there's a problem. Yep. Right. But it doesn't attack the GM. Right. Um, that's, it, that's a big part of it. You can't come right. at it as an attacky thing. Yeah. It acknowledges what the actual problem is. Right. Cause just saying like, I don't like it. Right. I um, don't like this character. Right. Like that's kind yeah. of arbitrary. Right. So having some reasons you know, and and being honest, like you know, don't just ban the character if it's the voice, right? That's annoying you, right? Like, or it, if it's like, or if it's the way that they always set everything off or whatever, it right? Is. Like, like, those are all like, things you can negotiate. Yeah, like, hey, you know, like, hey, your NPC is like, you know, creating a lot of havoc that we don't necessarily, like, we the rest of us wouldn't necessarily do. Like, we kind of want to just leave her in town. Right. <laughs> like, if you want her to kind of come with us on the adventures, like, we really need to kind of figure out how we can rein her in a little. Like, can you help yep. us with that? Yeah. Right? Like, that tone. Yeah. That tone is the, that tone is candid, right? Like, I'm telling you there's problems. Right. Um, what I'm not doing is I'm not saying, like, look, your shitty NPC is, like, fucking up our game. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like, like. So because, stop it. <laughs> right. Because. Either you're going to go on the defensive and be like, there's nothing wrong with that fucking NPC, man. Or you're going to be like really hurt the way I said it. Right. And either one of those is going to make it hard for you emotionally to want to give any any ground yes. in this in this discussion. Right. Yes. And, and when and when we don't want to give ground, we can't get to compromises. Right. And I mean, secondarily, that kind of approach will also probably be the death knell of your game itself anyway, because I also don't want to run a game for people who tell me that my games are shit. Right. Or don't like my super cool, don't right. like my super cool this, NPC. The super, the super clever thing that I did with this NPC. They don't like it. Which, which now brings <laughs> us to the other half of our advice, which is the GM perspective, which goes back to something that I say quite frequently, which is don't be clever in your game. Yeah, just don't. <laughs> so here's the thing, right? If you made this character on purpose <laughs> for some reason, like for instance, 
my players are too cautious. Like they never like nothing, nothing zany ever happens. I'm going to saddle them. I'm going to settle them with Jar Jar Barf- Burfoot. Yeah, Jar Jar Burfoot. Yeah. Right. I'm going to settle. I'm going to give them Jar Jar Burfoot and he's going to go around creating all sorts of mayhem. Hey, guess what? One, the players didn't ask for that. No, right? they probably didn't want it. That's why they didn't do it. <laughs> right. So what you've done is you've made a character for your amusement at the mm-hmm. player's expense. Yeah. Right. Don't don't do don't that. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Don't do that. That's not what that's not how this works, right? Like you're not supposed to torture the characters for your own purpose. If you disagree with that statement, you should probably look at our other advice very carefully since <laughs> since, <laughs> since since we really come since that's really a core value of what we right. right? Um that said, the 80s excluded. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, this was like this is a legitimate problem. Like when you're making an NPC as a GM, you need to kind of think of like what is the purpose of this NPC, right? NPCs perform functions, numerous functions in the game. They can be setting enforcing, right? So they're colorful setting pieces, like you know the gruff bartender who was in the war, right? Like she oh, yeah, grumbles and limps, right? She grumbles <laughs> and limps around behind the bar. She's not really performing any other purpose in the story other than to add some, like add some setting yeah. to the story. Sometimes an NPC delivers information, right? So uh, an NPC's purpose is to uh, give you something information wise that advances you to the next scene. Oh, and maybe it's not information, it could even be action-wise, but whatever, it advances you into the next scene. Sometimes NPCs fill in roles in parties, right? So the NPC possesses the set of skills that some member of the party doesn't have, i.e. cleric on a rope, right? <laughs> niche. So, niche. Right. It, exactly. We just talked about that um, two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So you should have a purpose for your NPC. And if you list your purpose as something that's like... My purpose for this character is to th- fuck with the PCs. Like, don't. Like, <laughs> we're really, don't. We're really cussy about this topic. Right. We have. Some I'm sorry. There feels. is one more. There is one more NPC. Right. The NPC. The last NPC type is like is opposition. Oh, this I mean, NPC. Yeah. This NPC exists to thwart or damage said PCs. Okay. So the bad one is my NPC is is roaming chaos. Right. Like because that's fun. No, that's fun in a paranoia game. Yeah. Um, but that comes with the conceit that also the players will kill your NPC because it's paranoia. And after they've lost a clone or two to the hijinks of Jar Jar Burfoot, they will put him in an incinerator. Right? Yeah. Like, th- yeah. Because <laughs> that is what will happen. I mean, um, the, the thing to think about as a GM is if you are throwing that kind of chaos machine into your game, you're actually stealing the spotlight from your players. Yeah, you're, and, and you're like, and like you said, you're compromising a th- you're compromising their agency. Yeah. Now, don't do it. <laughs> if the problem with your NPC is your acting, yeah, like the character itself is fine, but you have taken on a terrible accent that's jarring or offensive. The good, right? The good news is, the good news is that you can just not do the accent and just say it exists. Yeah. This actually happened tonight. We were playing Long Live the Queen and I was about to play Bob's character's brother um, Mm -hmm. and they're from Central Africa. And I 
got like two words out of my mouth and I was like, oh, I'm about to do a Wakandan Im- like impression, right? Like yeah, I'm sensing, like, yeah, like I'm sensing myself <laughs> about to do my impression of the lines from Black Panther. And I stopped and I was like, I was like, and I said to Bob, I said, he starts, you know, he, he starts talking to you and he, he sounds like. Yeah. Like the like it's you know it's in your home accent which I think cinematically sounds like like this. Wakandan, right? Yeah. And then I stopped. Yeah. Right? Like I stopped and it was like now we all know what we're now we all know what we're talking about. I don't have to act this out and do, do a bad job. Yeah. And I've done that to players too, right? I've done the like I had a player who played a Russian character and his Russian accent was awful and within two sessions I was like, "All right, you have a very thick Russian accent. You do not have to act it out. Yeah. Like, like I do and, see you know, terrible <laughs> ones on Saskeek, but our show is so, like, but your happy show is lucky but, that it's yeah, fine it's, because uh, we acknowledge yours, that they are terrible. But they're terrible, but they're not offensive. No, I don't. I hope right? not. <laughs> right. So, anyway, the point being is that if the problem that the players are having is your acting, adjust your acting yeah. tone it down bring it down a notch that kind of thing like yeah. if somebody has a shrill voice you don't have to do the shrill voice in every like with every line of dialogue yep like you can do it once or twice and then you could just you know you can come back to it once like you can come back to it every now and then so i'm going to say we yes. have a lot of good strong feels about this topic but I th- yep. think we've pretty think much covered it, and I'm really excited for the next one. I am okay with that. And I like, want to make sure I we am... get to it. <laughs> okay, so bottom line is, players, be candid, be kind, and give your GM proper, honest feedback. GMs, be receptive, mm-hmm. and be willing to make changes in order to meet the players on some common ground, right? Right. That sounds like exactly it. And remember that you can state that things are true without having to act them out at the table because that is a conceit of how we do role-playing games because I am not actually running around with a sword. Correct. Right. And I should not try to do a Wakandan accent. Correct. Me either. (laughs) Good. Okay. Moving right along. Awesome. Moving right along. Senda, what's our second question for tonight? Well, game designer and all-around cool guy P.K. Sullivan asked... Do you have any thoughts as to why the Morning Glories, by all measures a knockoff with less talent, enjoyed so much more commercial and critical success, Grammy nods, gold records, multiple top 40 hits, than the Ditch Lilies? Okay, a little Ditch Lily trivia. I know, and he's going right for the jugular here, because I have some feels about this one. I mean, listen, you know, you can't talk about the Ditch Lilies without drawing a number of comparisons to uh, the Morning Glories, right? Yeah. The Morning Glories were the Morning Glories were a band out of Texas, all women, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, where where the Ditch Lilies were um, more Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, you know, more the girls. Mm-hmm. Yep. The ladies, the ladies from Morning Glories were out of Texas, right? Yep. They achieved a lot of top 40 fame and commercial success back in 1998, right? About the same time as, you know, the Ditch Lilies were doing their touring right around the country. Yep. And the Morning Glories are best known for their song, Two Hearts, One Flannel, um, 
which is a love song about a couple that shares a flannel shirt. Yeah, they used to play that at like all of my dances. It was, I'm really over it. I mean, it was like the quintessential, it was like the quintessential 90s slow song, right? Like if you were, if if you were like in middle school or high school, like it was the one where you put your arms like around the well, person you were dancing with yeah, and no, rock back as a, and forth. As a girl, you put your hands very loosely and gently behind their neck. Right, and then exactly. as a boy, you like very right on the hips. cautiously yep. touch the hips and then you just sway. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah, you know, like, you know, like, this song, like a right? bunch of penguins just like slowly uh-huh. migrating. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You guys school. would know it if you heard it anyway. All right. So anyway, that's the that is the morning glories. And of course, like. Of course, you know their of their music, and honestly, if you went into Old Navy or any place today, you'll still hear like Morning Glory hits being played in the background, right? Like, yeah, it's that you kind totally of totally will, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. yeah. So, there's some history that is not common knowledge, um, and this is where we I mean, get into not some common knowledge for everyone else. I mean, yes, <laughs> if you're ditch Lily super fans like we are, right? Like, then <laughs> this is this is shit you knew all along. But sure, for the rest of you, for the rest and of I, you, and I think PK was just setting us up. I, I think, think he might have been. Yeah, right. I think PK is actually a super fan and was just kind of tossing, like basically just tossing us a soft, like a softball across the plate right. for us to knock out. Okay, right. Go right. ahead. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Good. So here's the part that I think a lot of people don't know, which is the Morning Glories originally claimed that their front person Sarah Perkins wrote all of their songs, right? Nuh-uh-uh. But, dun-dun-dun. So, really, we actually know that the songs were really by one Stella Gibson. She was um, she was a cocktail waitress in Spring Hill, Iowa, and she, uh, she worked at a bar called Millie's Garage. It was just yeah. tiny, you know, tiny little bar, little dive bar. Yes. And so if we go back to the spring of 1997, uh-huh. so before the Morning Glories hit, hit their big. popularity, yep. the Ditch Lilies actually played in Millie's Garage. Yep. And we know we know from some of the other girls' um, live journal entries, yes. yep. we know from some of the other girls that Lily had... One of her many affairs yep. uh, with Stella Gibson. Yep. And that later after the after the Ditch Lilies left Spring Hill, Lily would frequently write love poetry to Gibson and send it to her on AOL. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so the the real story here, and this is why right here. This is why the I have feels about the morning glories. I'm just going to mm-hmm. lay it out there. So Gibson took the poetry that Lily was writing for her and she put it to music. And then she sold those songs as songs to the Acid Rain uh, record label. And then Acid Rain took the songs and gave them to their failing female rock band, the morning glories. <clears throat> Uh huh. So they were really singing. They were really singing Lily's lyrics, like all of that yeah. actual, really heartfelt, moving stuff that they had coming out. That was all Lily. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. So I once on YouTube found a um, found a cut of somebody who did a um, reading 
of the lyrics to Two Hearts, One Flannel. Yeah. Like without all the without all the um, guitars and harmonica, right? Because there's a lot of harmonica. Yeah, um, yeah. Because Morning Glories. Yeah. Right. They just did like a reading of it and kind of like a serious reading of it. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Like the lyrics are really sweet and about just like, you know, how each one of them kind of carries like their love, like, you know, because they like they share the same shirt. Yeah. Right. Like they pass it to each other, especially when they're traveling and things like that. Like it's really like this beautiful story. But, you know, it got all kind of put through like the song mill. Right. Like. Yep. The 90s song mill even. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I don't know. I was going to make some comment about the Dixie Chicks, but we'll just move on. Anyway, um, so the Ditch Lilies actually... Uh, were you going to talk about the time they, like, were you going to talk about the time they got into the fight? The Morning Glories the Dix- and the Dixie Chicks? Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll save that for another show. Right, 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 yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so moving right along. So, so the Ditch Lilies actually tried to sue over the lyrics to the Morning Glories songs, but the poetry was considered a gift because Lily had given it to Stella, um, and it wasn't trademarked, so they didn't have any rights. Yeah, it was. Um, it was. It was messy, right? Like it was, it was a thing. Super messy. I mean, it was. Yep. It was a mess. I don't honestly know how Acid Rain kept it like so much on the down low. Because if that had come out, I feel like it probably would have wrecked the Morning Glory's reputation. Because they were making a big deal about how they had like Sarah Perkins, the singer songwriter. Well, I think I can explain to you why mm-hmm. um, it probably got all pushed under the rug. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So, see, you're talking about the lawsuit, but the lawsuit didn't happen until 1999. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, let me, let's go, let's go a year earlier. Okay. So, 1998. Um, <laughs> right. So, so, the thing is... Lily was never actually that upset mm-hmm. about the whole thing, right? It was the it was the band and and their fledgling label yeah. that was really upset about this. Yep. All right. So in 1998, after the Morning Glories had you know broken through and were on the radio and really picking up in popularity, both the Ditch Lilies and Morning Glories were playing at Lilith Fair. Yeah. Right. Yep. I mean, of course. Of course right? they were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you remember from 1998. I do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I know. I know what you're going to tell us here. Right. Yeah. The Morning Glories b- tour bus caught fire and burned down mysteriously. I'm not saying. <laughs> We're I'm not, not saying, saying there was arsony involved. I'm not saying that Ashley <laughs> hasn't in the past been known to burn things when mm-hmm. she's upset. Mm-hmm. We know. We know there are plenty of stories about Ashley lighting fire to ex-lovers, objects, mm-hmm. cars, cars, things like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, the Morning, Blo- Morning Glory's tour bus burnt down at Lilith Fair. Yeah, very and, mysteriously. Yeah. And so, if, if one was to speculate in 1999, when the lawsuit went through, it might have been that if there was some culpability from the record label from the morning glories record label it might have been offset by the fact that you know the bus burned down <laughs> right? right they might have so, just been like hey why don't you not press charges about this and we won't press charges about that <laughs> and that yeah basically is how it all got swept under the rug and so you know f- fast forward to today the morning glories never really made it past 2000 no. um 
they had a number of uh, hits, but what happened was well, um, they got two albums out. Yeah. But by that point, Lily had moved past her relationship with Stella Gibson and stopped yeah. writing her Stopped uh, writing her poetry. lyrics, basically, yeah. And as it turned out, the Morning Glory's third album was an utter disaster. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, they, they were, wrote it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Yeah, so it actually just, it was a flash in the pan, right? And um, PK was completely right. They were a knockoff with less talent. Their really only claim to fame was the fact that they got a handful of Ditch Lily songs yep. uh, and were able to kind of ride them out. Yep. That's what happened. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I love I love when we get a chance to talk about the Ditch I know, Lilies. me too. We should really wrap this up because this was going to be short. And we should. Based on the time on the clock, it is exactly time for us to get ready to get out of here. So thank you, PK, for such an awesome leading question. So obvious you just wanted us <laughs> to, to tell that story to everyone right, else. Right, about the bus burning. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Send it before we head into the closing. Tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Hey, yeah. On She's a Super Geek, you can listen to me and Andy doing actual play RPG stuff where we highlight women as GMs. And you can join us every other Tuesday for lots of different RPGs and lots of different guests. By the time you are hearing this, we've either just wrapped up Orin or we're about to wrap up Orin. And we've got some cool stuff lined up for November that I'm very excited to share with you guys. So check it out. Awesome, awesome. Say, Senda, where do people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community? Question mark? I mean, we're still there. Still so there. Still Come there. hang out with us. We haven't figured out where we're going yet, but we will figure it out. And if you don't like any of those options, you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they have that information, what can they do with it? Uh, by all means, send us topics. You can uh, ask us more Ditch Lily trivia. You can ask us some GMing advice. We love to get topics. We love to talk about them. And if you're starting to listen to our actual play, which we'll be picking up again after this episode, uh, by all means, send us some questions about the either the character, the play, or the GMing that's occurring in the actual play. Yep. Besides that, what else can people do uh, with our social media information that's all so very cool? Well, you can send us your table selfies. So that is you taking a picture of you playing an awesome game, hashtagging it table selfie and plopping it on the social media of your choice. I try to find them everywhere, but I mostly end up finding them on Twitter. We love to see what you guys are playing. So we like to swing by and like those things. Indeed, we do. The other thing is if you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please support our Patreon campaign. It helps us with our operating costs. It helps us with making uh, the lights stay on here at Misdirected Mark Central. And uh, there's a whole bunch of things that you get out of it as well. Patrons of the um, campaign get access to the chat room for life. They get access to the bonus outtakes, which is Pandas Talks Medical Procedures. This week. Um, <laughs> With trigger warnings. They, they get uh, access to the after show at Misdirected Mark, which was like full of feels um, this, what you call it, past week, and a whole bunch of other stuff. In order to do that, because I didn't say it before, because I'm just ad-libbing like crazy right now, mm-hmm. uh, go to our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash MMP. Uh, the other thing we like to do is like to shout out to some of our patrons who help make all of this possible. And Senda, would you like to do our shoutouts? Sure. So, starting with Kevin Lovecraft, the Royal Beard. Thanks, Kevin. Andrew thank you, Kevin. Dacey. Thank you, Andrew. And Chelsea Clark. Thank you, Chelsea. I still remember the Chelsea episode. It was a great episode. I, 
do too. It was very good. <laughs> Say, Senda, what else can you do if you're already um, backing the Patreon or unable to back the Patreon, which is perfectly fine, that makes us giddy like pandas falling off of chairs? Well, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice if they do reviews. Uh, every new review we get actually really helps new people find the show because it messes with the rankings and stuff. It makes us go higher up. So we super duper duper appreciate them. And also they make us really, really happy. If you leave it somewhere else other than the U.S. iTunes store, we would love to know about it so that we can go find it and get our like awesome, amazing, like artistic validation feels and tell you that you're awesome. So (laughs) say, Phil, show me how you're going to pick topics that we haven't already done shows about. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Okay, but well, what are we going to do? Be funny for everybody there. <laughs> and to think you were tired before, but oh, now I'm, I'm getting still tired. dancing. <laughs> still tired, and that's all. I just used up all my energy reserves. Jesus. That was it. <laughs> Here, we can talk about this real, because this can go in okay. the regular outtakes, right? <laughs> okay. Um, We were going to do three topics for the grab bag tonight, only when yes. we realized that one of the topics we did a whole show about previously. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> We're like, oh, wait a minute. This sounds really familiar. <laughs> You're like, wait, wait. So anyway, that- Shadow Warl, we really liked your topic. We think we might have already done it in June. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. Go back and look and go back and look at um uh shipping shipping Yeah, ship shipping rules and what is I had it up. It's something about shipping rules and, and settings. Yeah. We I did a whole it. episode and we talked about yep, the, I ship it, um, rules and doing settings. one shots uh, versus campaigns. One- 109. Yeah, it, it would explain why when I went to do the episode, I was like, mm. oh, I totally know what to answer this question. At. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, yeah. as if I hadn't written a whole episode about this question before. Yeah, well, anyway. Well, you've done so much GMing advice in your life that I, it's like, essentially, I just how think, would you remember? Right. I, I, I don't even pay attention anymore. Like, so I think, I think it'd be fun if I just started giving contradicting advice. Like if I just like <laughs> over the years, like have completely reversed all my positions. You might've, who knows? I don't fudge rolls again. Actually, I was for fudging rolls for a long time. And then I gave up on that. Bloop. I used to play a lot of games that didn't have, um, good narrative controls and you were like left to the yeah. you were left to the fickle the hand whims of, of the dice yes and mm-hmm. so i would occasionally reach in as the hand of fate and kind of mm-hmm. nudge dice along mm-hmm. um and then i just started playing games that had um better narrative control and safety mechanisms like fate points and bendies and stuff like that and then i was like oh i can totally roll out in the open because right i'm safe it- Right. It doesn't matter anymore because we can still make the story happen. Yes. As the un- dice don't make or break the story. Yes. They just control the direction. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Like there's a bonus one. All right. Now you have yeah, some you outtakes. Go. Now I've got some outtakes. And then Sing you can again. put and you can just put pandas talk medical procedures back in the, <laughs> the bonus outtakes. Oh, I'm boy. so sorry, guys. Oof. I don't even know what happened. Bloop. Don't we're Cold. gonna it will fall back into the medical I'm procedure sorry. thing. Stop. I know the whole they thing. Were 15 minutes in, we got okay, to start ready? this damn show. Okay.
I like the like juggling motions that happen with, with my that. hands. Yeah, I can't yeah. juggle, right? So I, I just I'm making juggling. You just motions. I can juggle very sort of kind of maybe ish when I feel like really. I can juggle like two and a half passes, and then the whole thing falls apart. Like I'm like I'm like uh uh huh. <laughs> oh no fuck it like i can't that's one two fuck it like that's the that's the extent of my juggling <laughs> now now if you want to talk about like juggling projects and shit like <laughs> i know and then, like, and then like three fucking lit chainsaws while i'm you know like ch- three chainsaws on fire while i'm blindfolded yeah mm-hmm. okay anyway we should probably start show okay we should probably sorry. start the show sorry everyone okay calm down Bloop. okay but you have to finish messing with your mic are you done messing with your mic <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> wow, you should see the waveforms for that. They look I'm really sure. Because <laughs> you just seriously went ape shit on your mic. I totally grabbed a song that is the thing we're going to use now for the legacy weapon. Yeah. And the raven sounds that I grabbed to go with the song to theme it a little bit more. Glad you got actual raven called. sounds. I did get actual raven sounds. I did not make the raven sounds. Um, They sound like... <laughs> Please, anyway. please, we need to start the show. You're going to be so mad when you have to edit this. Come on. You're right. I am. I'm sorry, but I had to tell you the thing was called Raven's Attack because it's like really good sounds of them cawing and then it's sounds of them attacking the microphone. Anyway, good. Bloop. Meow. 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 Bloop. He has a lot more energy now. He's doing the Kermit head and everything. I'm going to crash like a mother when this thing is over. I okay. know. We're going to do it fast. Bloop. On linear podcasting. Uh-huh. Um, Good timing. You figured it thanks. out. <laughs> uh, Bloop. This one came from P.K. Sullivan, who is awesome, and I'm super excited that he asked us this question. Okay. Did it's you important. not see the cool Did you not see the cool line I wrote? Oh, like, okay. I'm sorry. Game designer and all-around cool guy. All right. You got to back Sullivan. up. Let's just try it. Let's try it over. Let's, well, you didn't feed up. it to me the <laughs> for me to say I didn't, I didn't mean for you not to read the line I wrote. Okay. <laughs> I worry, can improv I, this. I'm an improv GM. Okay. Hang we on. don't need no stinking script. <laughs> Bloop. Say, Senda, what's the other thing you can do that makes us just happy as, um, as raccoons rummaging through garbage? Why would you do that? What? Why would you say that? Why would you say it like that? You've been building say, up Senda. the pandas for so long. Uh, yeah, I'm going to probably do some searches and <laughs> look at the list of past shows before I just put things in the show notes. Oh, gosh. Anyway, we should really end this show. Uh-huh. Say goodbye. Uh, bye. Bye. Oh, boy.